So welcome to Deconstructing Health and Fitness with Chris Wilkins and Elizabeth Hefner. We're going to take a look at a lot of things going on in health and fitness today, and we're going to decide whether or not they're actually useful, whether they apply to you, or whether they're really taking you in the wrong direction. So over a decade of coaching, clients led me to believe that the only way for people to experience lasting change is for them to understand their habits and systems they have currently in place and move from there. I apply a scientific approach to that. We change a thing. We look at how it works. We decide if it's working or not, and then we change something else and we repeat. You can't just coach one aspect of health and fitness. You have to coach them all at once. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Deconstructing Health and Fitness with Chris Wilkins and Elizabeth Hefner. And Liz has got a topic for us today. I don't know what it is. It's a mystery topic. She's going to lead me into it, she said. So um, let's find out where we're going. Yeah. Uh, Can you move the microphone a little bit closer to your face? That's where we're going. (laughs) <laughs> how's this that's actually so much better it really it really it really does need to be closer okay. um <laughs> i don't want to i'll just ask you about it shove it in your face <laughs> <laughs> um okay so i'm in that that state that we see on this very cyclical cycle of fitness and nutrition whether you call it a journey a lifestyle whatever it's that you know you got your ups and you got your downs and you got your pendulum swings, which we talk about the ups and downs is the cycle, this, the cycles that's understandable and to be expected. The pendulum swings are to be avoided. Am I correct? Uh, I mean, you can't stop your pendulum from swinging at all, right? The idea is sort of just want it to gently rock about. You don't really want it like doing wild amusement park style. <laughs> so like that pirate ship ride. It's yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. It's funny, we were at a water park this Monday and they had a slide that was literally like the pirate ship where it basically just drops you down this thing and and you just go back and forth. And I was like, oh, wow, no, no, for so many reasons. (laughs) Last time I got on one of those rides, I got so nauseous. That's just a, why don't you put your stomach in your throat kind of thing. (laughs) Or I don't think my inner ear works as good as it used to. I don't like spinning around anymore. I'm like, eh, make it stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, so, okay. You're having a bit of a look. Sounds like I'm having, I'm having a, like desperately trying to, to prevent pendulum swinging. And I remember saying to you a couple of weeks ago, I am not interested in doing things that are not, you know, like within reason sustainable, I'm not interested in going um, crazy low calories like Noom was telling me to do, or I'm sorry, suggesting that I do um, crazy low calories um, because I'm like, well, yeah, I, I know I can lose a lot of weight by like busting my calories down to like 1200 calories a day at six feet tall. But I have been down that route and I lost my period. I was very sickly and I'm like... So obviously that wasn't sustainable. And, and now I'm like, I find myself, I find my eating disorder brain kind of flaring up ag- again and being all like, what you're doing is not working. You need to, you need, you really need to just like go extreme. And then I find my, all the stuff I've learned, like that side is, is just like, 
no, I'm not interested in doing things that are not sustainable. It doesn't fucking work. And then on top of it, I have a wedding looming in about five months. So the temptation you know, is, let's crack down. We're going to do it. Five oh, yeah. I'm going to be in the best shape of my life five months from now. I got this. Well, it's like, I'm, go- I'm just going to say it. Like, I, yeah. I, I hate, I feel like I'm such a cliche, but I don't want to beat myself up over it. But I'm like, I want to play before my wedding so I can feel really good, look good in my pictures. But I, I do. And so now I'm fighting with myself being like, okay, I don't want to do things that aren't sustainable. And that will put me in a very potentially dangerous situation considering my history with eating disorders but I still am like, but I'm not seeing the, I'm not on the scale mostly. I'm not, well, I am visually, I'm not seeing the results I want. Okay. And yeah. So, all right. I just want to point this out and back up a little bit, right? Because we talk a lot about recognizing habits and patterns and situations that trigger behaviors that we're trying to change, right? So like, let's just back away from this one for a second, because maybe three weeks ago, because I think we skipped a week somewhere in there, right? You were like, Noom, I want to try Noom. And I was like, cool, let's explore it. Let's make a podcast of it. And we did. And you were like, no, fuck Noom. That's terrible. And I was like, okay, cool. And then next week you were like, how about intermittent fasting? And then we did that podcast. And I think in between when we weren't recording, we talked and you were like, we set a wedding date. And I was like, that's so super cool. And then now you're like, oh, by the way, I feel really stuck because I realize I don't want to go do these terrible things I've done in the past that didn't work for me, but I really need to change something because I want this result for this period of time. And what's happening is that's a pattern repeat that most people experience whenever they're trying to change something in their life, whether it's their physical appearance or their work habits or their parenting habits or their housekeeping habits. I mean, pick a freaking set of things you're unhappy with, right? So the trap is then you feel a little bit helpless and you make everything black and white. Yeah. And so because I, you got to get extreme, right? If you want extreme results. <laughs> well, but the black and white categorization, I feel comes from the feeling of helplessness and desperation about changing something. And so yeah. really, it's totally normal. And when you feel that, the trick is to go, ah, I feel really strongly about this. It's not that there aren't solutions here. It's just that my feelings are overwhelming my rational ability to find a, a way forward that's going to make sense. So Which cool. is why I'm so happy to talk with you today and have our podcast because I knew this yesterday when it was becoming very overwhelming. I was like, you know what? If I talk to Chris, things will get better. Oh, yay. Thank you. But it's not just it's not just about talking to me. You can build these skills within yourself as well to say, whoa. Like I just kicked my pendulum and now it's way up over there in Vomitville and it's coming back down for a big old swing. Like, whoops, like just, whoa. And so you're doing that, right? Because you've already recognized the pattern. This is a big step forward from in the past, um, how this might have gone. And so I kind of think I want to talk for a second about what does sustainable really mean? Because I think we are often using sustainable as the antithesis of hardcore diet plan. I think that's wrong because it's not one or the other. And you can make a lot of things sustainable. But if you look at what you're doing currently right now, and you only consider that sustainable, then it's very hard to move forward from there. It's very hard to change. Yeah. So if you feel like anything, anything, 
anything lesser or below what you're doing now is really not sustainable. Like if you already have that mindset, which I feel like I kind of do because I am so focused on calories. I really struggle to not just focus on my, my calories, even though I am also focused on many other things with my nutrition and training, but I'm so hyper-focused on calories because you just keep hearing calories in versus calories out, calories in. And yes, I just keep on going to that, to like, if you just cut your calories more, things will be better. And then yesterday I was on this beautiful hike, like the most glorious weather out right now. It's about to get really hot, but it's beautiful right now. I was on this glorious hike. And I just kept on thinking, you know what, you should cut out dairy and then also maybe carbs, except for like fruit, I guess you could have fruit. And I would just, and I was like, how many times have I already thought this? And also I've done these things. I've cut out dairy and I did lose, like, I did lose like five pounds in like a week, <laughs> which really pisses me off because I fucking love dairy. And, and then I go back to, well, that's not sustainable because you fucking love dairy and guess what you kept it up for like two weeks okay and that's it let's use dairy then because this has always been your thing is creamy right (laughs) yes and this is a crux this is like one of the big logs of your journey I feel like of trying to make these sustainable changes because again you're making it I can have all the dairy I want or I can never have dairy again because dairy is evil and again (laughs) no but like Oh, well, but me. <laughs> well, no, but I want to be like, well, but the, the thing, the thing with the thing, when you're that kind of person where, you know how we all have certain triggers. And for me, I mean, oh God, don't cancel me, but like, I don't want to necessarily compare dairy addiction with alcoholism, but I'm like, if I were struggling with alcoholism, I'd probably try to go not cold Turkey and everyone would be like, that makes sense. Versus we'll just have one drink a week because you know, it's just going to push you over the edge. And I kind of feel that way about dairy. Right. And so you've kind of got two options here, right? And it's, I'm going to bring your sister up. So don't <laughs> tell me, Tricia, if you're listening to this, but this whole discussion this last week about, um, pastries because with Trisha, it's not dairy, it's pastries. Right. And she'll happily, I'm sure come on this podcast and talk about this and we will, we will check with her before we publish it. But like, she kind of said to me, she's like, I did this thing. I ate these pastries and then I felt really terrible. And I just obviously can't eat pastries. Like literally same black and white, all or nothing decision about pastries. And we sort of talked through it for a while And I said, but you know, what's actually happening is you have a glycemic index problem. You know, you're, you're loading all of this stuff into your system and then you sat on a hot bus for like three hours. So that sounds awful. Yeah. I mean, like, no wonder you felt like shit. Like that's actually pretty reasonable. That doesn't have anything to do with the pastry that has to do with like six factors in that situation. I thought you meant she felt like shit, like emotionally, you mean physically. Oh, the physical feeling of be feeling shitty was like an emotional feeling shitty, right? Cause like, Oh, I can't do this and all that. And we all go through these, we all make these decisions. You know, we all eat way more pie than we should on Thanksgiving or whatever, but like, it's the follow through on that, that matters. It's the fact that she was then going to decide to cut pastry out and now you're kicking your pendulum again. And so not that this is going to help her lose weight, please don't let anybody misunderstand what I'm saying that what we suggested or what I suggested. And she, you know, came up with as a, a joint plan um, to manage this situation is in no way going to lead her to lose weight. 
What it is going to do is help her manage her demonization of pastry. Okay, because she's demonizing one specific food. She's making all of the problems that she's got around what her goals are and what her behaviors are and the mismatch there about one food. And that's what you're doing with dairy. It's not about the one food. Yes, okay, maybe you don't have any control over dairy and you probably shouldn't have it around all the time. That may not ever change, but you've got two choices. Make that food a part of literally every meal so that the taboo is gone. I can't. It is. It is like a part of every meal. But with it being a part of every meal comes the shame. And while those two things are connected up, you will never feel satisfied by the amount of dairy that you eat. So question, because this popped into my head from our, you know, our um, nutrition principles, Uh, you know, trigger foods or red, red light foods, foods where you're all like, we kind of early on in the process, you know, we, we try to eradicate them from the kitchen just so, because we, we know that those they're different for everyone. We know that those foods are, you really have um, a lot, like a lack of um, self-control over where, you know, and I, I know one for you, you said it's dough oh, yeah. because you grew up with your mom, you know, she was a, um, a baker and a chef and it was, it's dough for Trisha. It's pastries. For me, it's like creamy things. I guess just dairy, like creamy. Yeah, anything that's cream, which could be pastries, because there's cream in pastries sometimes. And the <laughs> ones that don't have cream can go fuck themselves. I don't. Care. I don't want those. Great pastries. Fuck you. Yeah. No, like just oh. Uh, so I part of me is like, well, is and I know it's not one product. I know it's not like oh milk. Uh just get just don't have milk i know it's like for me dairy and that's like trying to cut out it's not a macronutrient but it's trying to cut out a giant you know amount and it's one thing if you're lactose intolerant and i'm like i have explosive diarrhea i really need to stop but i'm like no no my body doesn't seem to really rebel against dairy more just like i i you know, more I'm like, I'm this is kind of what you're feeling. Say it again. It's a source of excess calories is what you're feeling. I don't know. I don't know. Or I, because or are you just trying to even, punish yourself because you don't deserve to have creamy, tasty things because you want to lose weight? <laughs> um, no, I mean, there's definitely some self-flagellation. There's definitely like, I need to suffer if I want to change. Right. I need to well, suffer real good too. It's not seeing this is what I'm talking about, about sustainability, right? Versus, um, you know, hardcore dieting. And I think this is where the misconception is born is that like, there's this idea that in order to lose weight, there has to be a ton of suffering. There has to be some discomfort. You're going to be uncomfortable as in, and I'm not just talking about like suffering as in discomfort. You know, you talk to doctors and their pain scale is like, this is like a one on the pain scale and they've ripped your toenail off without any anesthesia. They're like, what's, what do you, what are you complaining about? So like a one, like that's not the kind of discomfort I'm talking about. I'm talking about like, Oh, I really like some dairy, but I'm okay without it. I can move on. Like that's discomfort versus hardcore. You can't have dairy because if you eat dairy, you're a loser and you fail. Like those are not the same places. Okay. One is hooked into shame and guilt 
and perpetuating the deprivation cycle that creates the craving in the first place. And the other one is tied into self-care and regulation and self-regulation. Mm. Those are not the same animals. And if so like, are you talking, one is like a parent, a loving parent, and yes. then the other is like, a prison guard who enjoys being sadistic to the prisoners. I don't want to say that of all prison guards. I'm sure there are great prison guards out there, but in this scenario, that prison guard really likes to be sadistic. Yes. And that's exactly what's going on with your self-talk right around that food, which is one of the reasons why you end up in the two choices department of get it out of my house and never, ever have it again or have as much as I like. And those are not the only options. You can manage dairy in different ways and you may benefit from experimenting with seeing just how long cutting dairy out of your life for is viable. You've said two weeks, but why? Like, is that because it was a punishment and you only managed to punish yourself for two weeks? Or is it because you genuinely made a choice to remove as much dairy from your diet as possible and kept a few of the things that really, really satisfied you? Do you see the difference that I'm trying to? It was to- the punishment. It was the punish. It was, well, it was an, ex- it felt like an experiment. I'm like, I've heard that if you cut dairy, you can, you can lose weight pretty fast from just cutting dairy. And then I did jump on the scale and I was like, fuck, I just lost five pounds in a week, which I thought was pretty extreme from just cut- that That's from what I recall at the time. That's all I did differently. Okay. And again, so by cutting that much dairy, it's probably cutting a lot of excess calories out of your diet. But I was still kind of counting my calories. So I felt, I felt like it, that's what's hard because I'm like, no, I I monitor my calories. And I felt like I wasn't really having a difference in calories, just no dairy. That's what frustrates me. And I know that this is a lot of my, uh, you know, this is a lot of my recalled memory and obviously I'm sure it's very flawed. And of course I also want to be telling myself something because I'm like, this would be the most simple. Yeah. I'll so just it out and I'll be, maybe, be awesome. And part of me, like a couple of weeks ago, before I set the date for my wedding, I was like, whatever, I'll just maybe experiment. But now I'm like, no, there's no time for fucking failure. Yeah. <laughs> So what did, what is the, what was, what did you give Trisha where you said this is, this is in no way, I'm not saying that this is going to help her lose weight, but this no. is help to help her de, de, de demonize, undemonize. Well, I didn't say that to her directly. It was a byproduct of the strategy that we implemented and she came back and I don't even know if she realized that she said it. She might only realize it after hearing us talk about it here, but she said it was, it was fun because she goes, okay, well, let me back up. Cause she said, well, how do I go about eating pastry? If I want to eat pastry every day, how do I do that and not feel like shit? And I said, well, it's about protein and fiber at that point. You're trying to manage the glycemic load. And we talked through exactly how, bless you, your body processes food and how, you know, like if you just put straight up sugar in there, it's going to spike your insulin and you're going to feel like garbage and then you're going to have a crash, Right. Whereas if you put some protein and some vegetables in there, and then you have some pastry at the end, like your body can process that a lot easier. And she was like, oh, all I have to do to eat, this is the takeaway was all I have to do in order to be able to eat pastry is eat protein and vegetables. And I was like, sure. 
And she's like, cool. And so she goes away and she spends a week eating protein and vegetables and half a pastry every day. And she comes back very excited and tells me that this is what she's done. And she's like, this is a big win. I can eat pastry. I feel great. Silence for a moment. And she goes, you know what? I said, what? She goes, I don't really want pastry anymore. I didn't prompt that. I didn't tell her why. I didn't talk about all of this shame cycling and spiraling and whatever we talk about, right? But that's the natural byproduct of just making something an actual inclusive part of your diet and not accounting for it. She's not playing an accounting game in her head. She's playing a like, what do I have to do to be able to eat this and not feel terrible? Oh, I have to do this. Oh, it worked. Hurrah. Is she going to lose weight? Unlikely. But she's managed that aspect of the problem. And what I'm trying to get home to you on this is that you're still stuck in the food equals good or bad category of making decisions, right? Whenever you put food on your plate, you are assessing whether it's a good choice or a bad choice. You are assessing how many calories are in it and how those calories are going to impact your body weight. And as long as you are focused on that, You cannot assess whether or not you're truly satisfied by your food and whether or not you really truly need to have dairy at every meal to be satisfied. You can't do it because you still view that dairy as bad. And I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast before, and if we have, you can cut it out or reference another episode, but I had to go through this very long process of undemonizing all of the foods that I had created as as bad. I used to tell other people that they were bad for eating stuff. Like I, like when I met my husband, the fact that this man married me anyway is a freaking miracle because I basically lit him up about everything he ate. Every time we went somewhere, every time he bought groceries, I was like, you know, that'll kill you. You know, there's sugar in that. Do you know what refined sugar does to your body? Do you know what they put in processed foods? I mean, I hate oh, man, eyes at me, but I had to exist in that world in order to maintain the strict diet that I was on. Because if I, for a second thought those other foods were viable options, I felt like I would go down a, an eating spiral. I would never, ever get control of, and I would just become 300 pounds and be miserable and lose everything about myself, which. Oh my God. I don't know why it clicked for me. Right. When you said that it clicked, I mean, this was, this isn't a complete revelation, but like think clicked in my brain where I was like, the way we demonized food and a lot of people have demonized food or sex or what have you it's like a self-preservation thing that is very destructive and toxic I guess self-pleasure is wrong and you get hair on your palms you know it's like I was literally gonna say let's talk about sex and how that works how just absolutely yeah (laughs) fundamentally does not work no um biological drive. Okay. You have a biological drive to eat. I'm not saying you have a biological drive to eat Twinkies, but Twinkies are crazy palatable. They hijack your brain and they tell your brain that you're never full and that you need more, right? Like the idea of Twinkies bums me out. I want, if I'm going to fucking indulge in a pastry, I want something with real cream and like real cream. And I want like a fancy ass $7. Huh? Lavender flavored. Yeah, like lavender infused French pastry that 
is like made with cream from grass-fed cows. It's always that it's the, my indulgence is, is right in line with, um, with luxury, as you know, it's not like indulgence, like the cheap, the cheap crap. Ready? I'm sorry. I'm going to say this, but it's because you are health haloing. My daughter got a new smartwatch and it just started freaking out because she's been sedentary, but she's not, she's not wearing it. So that's stupid. So anyway, what I was saying is you have health haloed your treat foods. That is such an interesting term, health haloed. Oh yeah, it's okay. I can have this treat. This is not the same as a Twinkie because it's grass-fed milk and it's super floofy ingredients. And some guy named Pierre made this pastry by hand at fucking 3 a.m. Dude, your health haloed your treats. Yeah, but dude, it's so much, it's so much more special. And it's it's about like enjoying your no, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know now. I'm like, is that wrong? Again, Andrew, I, I'm going to say this. Andrew, um, Andrew told me one time, he's all like, because he used to look at the way I would eat. And he was just like, God, you, you know, you eat so like fancy and so healthy. And then we, we, you know, we had a good talk once where we were just cutting, you know, how you, when you're in a relationship and you, you know, you like look at your partner's habits or whatever. And, you know, you kind of cut through the bullshit and he you know with prompting for me like this was not he was not like saying something upsetting to me um he's like you know I whenever I saw you eat your treats it you it were they were always like rosemary infused and lavender and like really fancy but I'm like but they they were still like all these you know treats and like cream and this and that and just because they had a very you know he didn't say this but bougie flair to them he thought like oh these are these are you know healthy and it's like no <laughs> no <laughs> right don't help yeah so, like, because you're still in the same pattern of like there are bad foods that if i eat them i'm bad too i really want those bad foods because i'm not allowed to have them so I will find some that have a health halo and say, see, these are fine though, because they're not as bad as those foods over there. I could be eating a Twinkie, but I'm having a lavender rosemary biscuit sable. Well, yeah, with my latte. This is my point, right? And this is where I'm saying, like, this is where I think you're stuck, is you're stuck in this place of like, I want to have all the things, but I shouldn't have all the things because I don't deserve it. And it still drives your eating decisions. Mm. So here's what I had to do. Okay. And I'm not, I, I, I talk about this with so many people and I always feel super terrible. And somebody maybe who's listening out there will know this book and be able to tell me the title of it. So I can actually go and recommend it. But it was this book I read, I was living in France and, um, it was after my husband went to the store and bought carrots and I yelled at him when he came home because they had too many carbs in them. And how could he possibly go buy a vegetable and come home with carrots. What the hell, right? And he just put the carrots down and he was like, okay, like we need to talk about your 
relationship with food. And I was like, no, your relationship with food is fucked up. Cause obviously nothing's wrong with me. And then we started talking about it and he, he really is an engineer. He's incredibly good at presenting a logical argument. that's impossible to pick apart. And I sat there and, and, you know, he, he basically was like, so why is it that you're always struggling with your weight? And I've never had a weight problem. If everything I eat is so terrible. I would yell and be like, you're a man. Fuck you. Right. And well, also your jeans. All, fuck you. I had all of these things. He said, fine. Why is it that when we go somewhere to eat, you're still picking off people's plates and I've put my fork down and I'm not even thinking about food anymore. And he had this list all prepared because, you know, he didn't sit down to this intervention unprepared. There's no way in hell he <laughs> to this unprepared. Right. And so by the end of the discussion, he had pointed out all of these behaviors that I was exhibiting that I didn't even know. I didn't recognize in myself and I didn't know they were bad. And I, we all have that skinny friend where we think, how is it that you're skinny? And they just go, well, I just eat whatever I want. And you're like, I want to kill you. Right. That I hope you die. I hope you die. I love you. Like that's in front of me. But the thing is, is they have invisible actions that they're executing on every day. There are rules to their eating that they're executing on that they don't see. And so when you ask them, what do they do? They say nothing. Just like when you ask, what is it that you're doing that's making you gaze weight? You're like, I don't know. Nothing. I eat healthy. The reality is it's often helpful to have somebody else point these things out to you so that you can see them. But then once you see them, you have to act on them or nothing still changes. This is this sustainable thing. Like I have to do something sustainable. And that's the, that's the trap is because what you are doing right now is sustainable by definition, because it's how you got where you are. Yeah. You have to change something which will be uncomfortable. And like, when I talk about now how I had to get myself out of demonizing food, it was really, really uncomfortable. I had to do some really scary things. There were tears for sure. There were roller coaster emotion moments. There were a lot of things. And it was this book that I read that was basically like, in order to take the emotional relationship that you have with food out of the equation of making choices about food, you have to give yourself permission to have anything at any time, anywhere. And her recommendation was that you carry around a food bag and you put a variety of things in it, anything you would want, not things you think are good or bad, anything you would want to eat ever at any opportunity should go in your food bag and you carry it with you, which, you know, is an absurd thing to do when you are a pedestrian in a foreign country teaching classes in different companies. I literally walked around with this food bag because I was desperate to fix this because I, you know, through my husband's intervention, I had recognized just how out of line my eating was and <clears throat> dangerous, dangerous out of line, you know, for my health, not, and for people around me probably. Cause I don't think I was very much fun to be around. So <laughs> I did this thing and I carried this food bag and I had always demonized sugary processed foods. That was the thing that was the ultimate evil. And the challenge in the book was you put those things in your bag and you allow yourself to eat them whenever you want. And the range of emotions I experienced looking in that bag in the first five days was unbelievable. And I could, I started to catch myself being like, if you eat that, you're a loser and you don't care about your health. Don't eat it. No, you have to eat it because you want it right now. And that's what the book says to do. And so I'd have this internal monologue with myself and I, I had this one treat in there and they were these really, and I can say this now because they, I find them genuinely disgusting, but they were like 
industrial waffles with like this sugar coated glaze. And then they were dipped in chocolate and they were like a pack of six of them. And they like were shelf stable for probably a century. Okay. And I can remember eating a pack of those a day for about a week. And the fear was after I ate the first pack, I remember being like, I'm never going to stop eating these. I'm just going to continue gaining weight. These are so good. I can't believe it. And then an hour later, I felt awful because of all the sugar and the fat and everything had hit my system. And I was like, oh God, I did this to my body. And I went through that shame spiral. And then the next day I woke up and I ate them again and I had to deal with that. I had to deal with the fact that I was eating them again. And I had to have all those emotions and sit there and be really uncomfortable with that. And then by about day four or five, I was like, I get to eat these whenever I want. Ha ha, party time, right? And I thought this is never going to end. I'm going to eat these until I'm 175,000 pounds and I'm going to kill myself and have a heart attack from these stupid processed waffles. And I just kept eating them because I thought, no, this is the process. And I'll, I really can say genuinely, by the end of a week and a half, I had those waffles in my bag and I didn't touch them. And it wasn't because I felt bad. It wasn't because I couldn't have one. It wasn't because, you know, I was trying to be good or any of those previous things. It was a hundred percent because they didn't hold any power over me. It's that it's like straight out of labyrinth, man. You have no power. I was just thinking that (laughs) there are dangers untold. (laughs) And it was literally that it was like, I don't care. I genuinely don't care about these. And, you know, I've never eaten one since. And I see them periodically in a supermarket and I still have this emotional response to them because it was such a pivotal moment in my relationship with food. And it wasn't the only thing in my food bag that I had to do that with. And I found myself over the years, I still have to work through some of those foods, you know, and dough is one of them. But I just think, honestly, I don't think there's any amount of dough where I will actually stop. And so for me, that has remained my red light food. Mm. And how I choose to handle that particular red light food is that I don't keep it in the house. And I don't make it myself. If somebody shows up with some dough, <laughs> cool. They're just like showing up at your door. Hey, Chris, I got this uh, this bag of dough. Like, <laughs> I'd be all like, you fucker. My husband is actually taking a cake out of the fridge right now because while my friends were here this week, the kids wanted to make a cake. And they did. And they made this double layer strawberry shortcake cake with whipped cream and fresh strawberries. It's bomb. Have I eaten a crap ton of it? Fuck yes. Do I regret it? A little bit. But I also know that no more of it is coming into my house because I'm not going to make it and I don't have any more guests coming that are going to bake. And so it allows me that space to deal with those, those things I really will probably never gain control of. Maybe I will. I'm not sure I want to eat that much dough to figure out how to gain control of it because <laughs> Lord knows my body can't process this stuff like it could when I was 20. <laughs> but like, I think it's, it's, you can do it a couple of ways, right? You can go food by food and undemonize them. During this process, expecting yourself to be able to lose weight is asinine. That's not what the point of the exercise is. If you're trying to undemonize foods and lose weight at the same time, you're going to be really unhappy. Okay. However, long term, this is the path to feeling free around food, to to having a relationship with food that isn't polarized and emotionally charged. It feel it's funny because I really do think about what do I demonize most. Where I'm like, ooh, it's so it's so fucking taboo. It's so taboo. It is 
the same as Trisha. It's like pastries. It's like, oh my God. Cause I, I, I found this new show on Hulu, which it's really weird and campy, but also I'm really, really eating it up. No pun intended. Um, It's called Alice in Paris. Alice, Alice, Emily. Oh, no, not Emily. Oh, I've watched Emily. Not Emily. Fuck that show. I tried to watch that show and I was like, this is the worst piece of shit I've ever seen in my freaking life. I hate this. I hate this guy. The same uh, guy who did like Sex in the City. I fucking hate it. I Worst thing ever. No offense. Okay. <laughs> Alice in Paris is not Emily. Alice in Paris is, a, is this really weird, cheesy, campy show about this French girl and it's like weird because it's all her voiceover and she does all the voices of like they'll show the people on the screen and she'll do like a voiceover of them and it's really weird but uh this French girl who moved she was living in you know outside somewhere in France I don't fucking know and then she moved to Paris and she has apparently absolute taste i guess like absolute pitch like where you where she could taste whatever and tell you the secret ingredient in it she can tell she can tell you every single like ingredient in it okay and so you know it's a lot about food and a lot about like a lot about fucking french pastries and so yesterday i was like you know i'm gonna look up all the french pastry shops that patisseries you know in around me and I'm gonna go fucking find some like kick-ass French pastry because this show is inspiring me to live my life and enjoy pastry. And I was just sitting there on the bed, like looking at pictures of like pastries at these shops, and I was just like, it's so wrong. Like I'm looking at porn, you know, and I'm just like, this is so, so dirty and so wrong. And I just felt all these emotions like this excitement and this like what's wrong with you you're such a sicko and like excitement and shame and it was thrilling (laughs) and I wanted to I wanted to go to the French pastries today I was like I'm gonna go fine I'm gonna go find this give me my treat I've had a really really rough week and I'm gonna go find this because I want to enjoy my life like a French person in Paris Well, so many things to touch on there. I don't even know where to start. But the first thing I'll say is that I actually used to call it food porn in the days where I was not allowed to eat things. I would get food magazines and literally go through them and stare. Oh, me too. Until I didn't cravings anymore. And yes, I would choose to manage my cravings and it didn't manage them. I'll do the same thing. But that's not I mean, that's super repressed, right? Like if you think about... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's just so sad because it's like someone who is like I'm abstinent and I want to deprive myself of sex or something and then they're just looking at the most fucked up porn right but it's the idea that if you have any sex at all you're going to become an infomaniac and you're going to have hairy palms because that's what masturbating <laughs> and sex do for you is you have hairy palms it's not true right engaging in a healthy sex life and having regular sexual interactions with people is what makes you a balanced fucking person. And the same goes for food, right? Having a balanced relationship to the food that you're putting in your body is the secret. But if you're literally like, I can't have that all the time, like, you know, (laughs) what's going to happen when you get near that cream? Cream better I'm going to fuck the shit out of that cream. I like how you were trying to be subtle. You were trying so hard to be subtle. And I was like, I'm going to stick my dick in it, Chris. 
I could have stick my dick in it. Like, you know, that cream's about to get violated is what I was going to say. You know, and that's what's going to happen. It's like, I'm scared for its life now because- Wait, like, are, oh, you, I didn't, are you- no, Are you saying that that movie American Pie was really about a guy who was depriving himself too much of pastry? Yes, 100%. <laughs> Perfect tie-in. So, I mean, but this is what you're getting. It's the same- emotional pattern it's the same psychological pattern you're creating when you treat food with this kind of repressed forbidden energy however that said you've got to change something so this is where it's like sustainable change means you've got to create a set of behaviors and healthy eating patterns that give your body what it needs (laughs) so that you don't go raping cream because like that's the outcome of permanently repressing your food cravings right is cream right yeah rise (laughs) oh my god it's great because it's really really similar process like obviously nobody's raping cream because that's weird and obviously cream doesn't care but like it's more of a problem of like it's the 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 emotional pattern you run when you create this calorie slash value system for food. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be paying attention to your energy balance and that you should be fueling your body appropriately for what you're doing and that you should be putting high quality, high nutrient density foods in. Yes, these things still can all be true without saying you can just have a food free for all. Like that's, again, that's making it black and white. Is there a way for me to work on undemonizing food yes. without, without, uh, doing without, no, Unlikely. Wait, what? Unlikely for, I mean, it depends on how big of a, how big of a set of demons you're carrying around. And I, I think- mean, I don't, I, I, oh, this is so hard. I need, I frequently wonder when we're talking about this demonization of food like there's this part of me that's like I'm not demonizing food you like will eat a pastry and you'll be all like okay like I mean people really demonize food would never and I so I feel like I need some okay but let's, I were, let's pull Christianity in for one second because if that <laughs> was true right if people who demonize food never indulged in pastry then there wouldn't be any sin and there would be no need for confession Sorry, um, not even religious, right? But it's a very, very similar system set in so place. Can you give me if you so in where there are good and bad actions, you will at some point do something bad that you will then need to repent for, right? Whereas if food is morally neutral, if food is morally neutral, there's nothing you have to atone for ever. And so the question then becomes, it's not, can you eat a pastry and feel okay about it? It's like, can you eat a pastry and not fucking think about it when you're done? Can you eat a pastry and walk away and literally not think about the fact that you had a pastry today? Oh, fuck no. I'm not in that place. I've never been in that place. That's food being morally neutral. So, okay, that helps. Thank you. Because I'm like, it's really hard to cut through your own bullshit and that was helpful because i'm like i picture myself like if i went out and got a pastry first of all it'd be this huge ramp up so this this weekend i went out and i got a donut and 
this was my second time being to this local donut shop to being any donut shop, you know, here. And I think about the donut shop a lot. And I was like, I'm going to go and get one donut, you know, and I was really excited. And then it was like this big reverent. Uh, One donut only. Yeah. Oh yeah. One donut only. I don't want to be a failure, you know? And so I was like, this whole ramp up looking at all the pictures of the donuts. Okay, maybe which one do I want? I have to choose carefully because I get one. And then it's like this reverent, like I could feel myself getting so anxious when I had the donut because I was like, okay, you got to really enjoy it. And then when I ate it, I was like, I really did enjoy that. And I felt really good. And I felt good that I, that I had that treat, you know, and I felt like that was a reasonable treat. And I definitely don't have a donut. Uh, I have a donut rarely. and. But I just fixated on it so much. I was just like, yes, the donut. You had a donut. You had the fact that I could tell you exactly like the date and time I had the donut. That's probably <laughs> that's probably a little bit of uh, an example of what it looks like to demonize food. Well, or to emotionally charge every opportunity to put something in your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think the big uh, asking still is how do I work on this without ending up gaining weight before my wedding? Because I really want to do everything I can to look my best before my wedding. Yeah. I think what I would say is now is maybe not the time to start the process of undemonizing the food, (laughs) but that it's coming for you. You know, this this is the thing I feel like has held you back from the beginning because you know what healthy choices are, you know, what and how to move your body. You know, you, you have your own training certification, you, you know, all the things you need to know. So it's not knowledge that holds you back and it's not being able to cook that holds you back. And it's not money and being able to afford to buy healthy food that holds you back. It's this. So within that, Within the next five months, like you get to choose, right? You can pick, I'm going to do something one more time that is a little bit over on one extreme because the most important thing to me right now is that I lose weight and I'm willing to take a short-term hit to my long-term like fixing of this problem of my relationship with food in order to achieve this goal. Because this is what we ask athletes to do. So I'm not saying it's a bad choice. I'm saying it is a choice. You get to make that choice if you want to. I you know, guess my fear is I don't want it to end up being a major pendulum swing where, yeah, you I lose, say, like X amount of pounds if we're just talking about that metric. And then and then I'm like, it's so unsustainable and I push my pendulum so fucking far that I go crazy. Right. But if you if you look at it that way, you're making a decision on any of these things out of fear. I'm super scared. Right. So you've got to try to find a place to make this decision rationally and not based on fear, fear of the outcome, right? Because if you're, if you're fearful, you're going to not take steps forward. So okay. what we have to do in order to create an environment for you where you wouldn't feel like you're kicking your pendulum really hard, but you're moving the needle, right? Of, of sustainability towards healthier than you are 
currently making choices, right? You've done a lot of work. I just want to say that before we go any further with this, like Liz has put in a lot of work over the past couple of years, working on her regularity of her exercise and her sleep and her entire environment she's changed in order to improve her mental health, right? So you've moved, you've started hiking, you have started regularly strength training. You are making- I've been very consistent and I've even increased my workout. Yeah. Right. And that was just finding the starting point was the key for that. And so with the food stuff, the food is bigger, right? Yeah. It doesn't mean you haven't made progress already. This is not like me having a come to Jesus moment with you of like shit or get off the pot. This is a genuine choice moment of like, okay, here's all the things that I've done and here's what that's done for me. And that's great, but it's not enough. So now I need to make another series of choices, right? Do I want to like find a reasonably regimented healthy diet plan to follow for the next few months in order to lose some weight and hopefully manage my emotions around eating enough that I don't pendulum swing the day of the wedding or the day after the wedding. Mm -hmm. Right. Or do I just say I'm good enough how I am because you are right. And if I lose some weight before the wedding, great. If I don't, I'm still going to get married because I'm not getting married based on my body size. I'm getting married because I found somebody I want to be married to and he wants to be married to me. And that's what matters. And I'm cool. And I'm going to work on this relationship with food. They're both totally fine as options. What you just said there, like, it, it's like part of me is like, yes, I want that because that seems right. That seems healthy. That seems like self-love, but. But if you're not at that then, point, being able to genuinely say that to yourself, then it's okay to employ a different strategy for yeah. now. While it's definitely not genuine. I'm like, that's where I would like to be mentally and emotionally, but I'm not. Right. So, okay. Let's take a look at some options on the other end. Yeah. Let's look at like, What kind of meal structure do you think you could stick to for the next? Well, I've been sticking to pretty much three meals a day and a snack. Okay. So you've already gotten a reasonable eating opportunity regimen going, right? So then the next step is potentially either managing what comes into your pantry or increasing the nutrient density of the meals that you're currently eating. Or something else that you come up with that you, you know, once I say that, if it's that trigger something for you, you can always, you know, have your own thing. I'm just kind of giving you the framework steps, like nudging this process along. So what, if I were to also ask this, I'm sure uh, irritating question that would definitely have me rolling my eyes if I were you. Roll my eyes right now, just in advance. <laughs> just a, like a, like a preliminary roll of his eyes. I roll there because it's frustrating. (laughs) It's frustrating. And I already know. So if I were, but I'm sure you get asked this a lot. I'm sure, you know, a lot of people have this same question, but so like I'm getting married in like five months, five months from tomorrow, I think, or whatever, you know, November, November, middle of November. Um, By the way, your invitation will be out to you soon. Um. So, so I'm like in my head, it's even hard to get this out. I struggle with 
with like just saying things because I'm like, no, you sound so stupid, and this is horrible, and you shouldn't even say this aloud. I already know what the you already know. What is it? What's a realistic amount of weight I can lose between now and my wedding? If I really yes nail it, how much weight can I expect to lose, Chris? Yeah. So ideally, I want to be under, and I don't like. So I want to be, as you know, I just want to get under 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's even hard to like say that because now I just feel like the listeners are like, oh my God, how much do you weigh? Oh my God, you weigh like over 200 pounds and you're a woman. Oh, 50% of our listeners were like, oh, that's so refreshing to hear. Really? She okay. doesn't weigh 125 pounds and is pissed off a better weight. Because <laughs> the media really likes to, oh God. I keep on watching these shows and I know it's not a trigger for everyone, but whenever they'll talk about, I watch like these true crime shows and they'll be like, this woman was very small and she was like a hundred pounds. And then this man attacked her and he was 250 pounds and he's just a giant monster and just like such a huge person. And I'm just like sitting there like, that doesn't make me feel good about myself. Fuck you. But then also I could probably kill this motherfucker. So right, he wouldn't take you down. That's for sure. I mean, <laughs> not being a hundred pounds. Right. Like, I know. I do think that way going hiking in the woods alone. So, okay. But the question is, you want to get under 200 pounds before your wedding. Right. So, and we, we've talked about this a bunch of times and like old school trainer mentality was you come in, I give you a session and I tell you, okay, with the right diet and exercise plan, you can lose up to a pound a week, two pounds. If you're really, really committed, are you committed? Of course you are. You're a 10 out of 10 committed, aren't you? Yes, ma'am. All right. Are we going to do this? Yeah. Cool. Here, sign up for my six month training package. And I'll like that's fucking that's straight up Rex Quando shit right there. So fine. Yes. <laughs> you can lose up to two pounds a week if you are willing to really, really regiment what you're eating and move your body a lot and sleep really well. Those are the three components you've really got to manage. And, you know, when we talk about um, extreme performance and we're looking at high level competition, like these are the things we're asking our athletes to do as they approach competition is like, you better get your shit together. And I don't want to hear about Chick-fil-A. Like I literally, I will have that conversation with my athletes as they're coming up to race time of like, okay, yeah, fun time's over. Like, don't go to Chick-fil-A. Like, I, so many of my athletes is Chick-fil-A. It's so funny. Like, what I don't, the fuck? I don't, I don't think Chick-fil-A is good. I don't know what it is though, man. I guess when you're working out really hard, because I don't like Chick-fil-A, so it never works for me. Right? It's bland as fuck. Mashburger for me. Like that's where I'm going <laughs> after a race. But like, anyway, everybody's got their, their place. And Chick-fil-A currently, I think is the, the leader. But anyway, the point is like, the faster you want to lose it, the tighter you've got to be on your nutrition and your sleep and your exercise. So how tight are you willing to go? It's not that it's impossible. And it's not that you can't do it. It's that if you're consistently, regularly, year over year, trying to exist in that place, you're going to create some negative outcomes for yourself. But that doesn't mean it's not a tool you can use for a short-term goal. Do you hear so is it unreasonable so like in my head in my perfect existence I think like yes I do this I lose x amount of weight before the wedding and then that really just kickstarts me on my whole journey and I'll just continue to or I'll just I'll you know be yes that can be the case 
that can be the case. You can kickstart yourself on the journey and you can set up some habits that you'll be able to sustain in the medium term that will benefit you. Absolutely. That's what this is about. That's the whole point of this. The question is though, how are you dealing with those underlying more grooved pathways that you travel? Because if you don't deal with them, the second you take your hands off the wheel, autopilot takes over and you're back down the same road. So you've got to have the focus and the energy to commit to making those changes now. And this is, a, this is for everybody. Like you start any nutrition or health plan, you have to have the focus and stamina to see it through. And that's what we mean by sustainability. Yeah. Can you do this for the long haul? Not, can you not change very much and hope for the best? It's like, <laughs> and be able to maintain it. We're not, I feel like I've been doing that ever since, you know, with the quarantine and moving and getting a new job. I feel like I've been very much like, whatever, like just fucking live your life, kind of do your things, demonize certain foods. And uh, just like, I wasn't very, I didn't feel very motivated up until actually before we set the date for the wedding, it wasn't actually the wedding that kicked it off. It was before that. Yeah. It's probably summer. Fuck. It's a trigger for everyone. Gotta have that summer body ready. Uh, Yeah. Well, it's hot as balls and I want to walk around with no clothes outside. And this is the thing, like you totally, you can do that no matter what your body looks like. You are allowed to do that, you know, but at the same time, we are going to look at all of these different social constructs that mentally and emotionally prevent us from feeling comfortable doing that. Yeah. I mean, you don't see any cats wandering around feeling bad about like what they look like in their fur. No, cats are so happy with their like wobbly tummy and because they're all like, that's just my extra skin so I can stretch because I'm a cat. So, you know, it's a, a lot of this stuff that we work on is mental because those frameworks and belief systems you have in place will dictate a lot of your behaviors. So if you believe you can't do it, you're right. If you believe you can't sustain a change in your eating habits until your wedding without kicking your pendulum, you're right. But if you believe that you can make changes and you can sustain them because it's what you truly want and it's going to kickstart you and it's going to take you to that place, then you're also right. Yeah. So if you let that self-doubt and all of those voices of, of negativity creep in there, they'll win. Is there, I get, I, you're right. You're right with all that. I agree with all that. Is there something I can do to reframe? Because we talked about the benefits of benefits of reframing like a couple months ago. Is there because right now all that I've been thinking about has been like calories, you need to cut your calories. Calories are your problem. How many calories do you do today? So if it, you like you have to cut down 3,500 calories in order to lose one pound. So then you have to cut down a thousand calories a day. And then like, you know, I I I, I, I don't want to be in this cycle of just like cut your calories. I want to be able to reef. I want to be able to cut my calories, but reframe it to where it's not reductive and super restrictive and like less, less, just smaller, smaller things for you. And you'll be a smaller lady. Let's go back to that portion control guide that we worked on forever ago, right? It's going to tell you how much to eat. The you precision have- nutrition one. Or ever have to count a calorie. In fact, don't. 
you can't in any way dictate, predict, or track how your body is going to extract calories from the food that you eat. It's a wildly, wildly inconsistent framework. So even the math that you're spending all this time doing doesn't necessarily hold up. In fact, it probably doesn't. Okay. So what you really need to tune into is the same basics as always, right? And just, it is about nailing the basics. Eat adequate protein, eat adequate amounts of fruits and vegetables. Carbs and fats are like the icing on your protein veggie cake. Okay. They should not be the main effect. If they are, you're probably over-consuming unless you are a high-level endurance athlete burning 4,000 calories a day in training. You're not. It's okay. You don't have to be. Most of us don't have to be. It's a shit ton of work. It's very tiring. Okay? So if you're focusing on making sure you hit your your protein and veggie portions for the day, and then you're controlling or maintaining sort of a reasonable carbohydrate and fat intake after that, Bob's your uncle. That's it. There's no secret sauce. After that, get adequate sleep, drink enough water. That's all you have to do. And the thing is that every time you try to expand out and make that more complicated, you are rationalizing a food behavior. Every time that you are not focused on that and eating that satisfying amount of food without being overfull, you are rationalizing a food behavior. And I'm not, we all do this. I'm not saying like, this is the magic sauce and tomorrow you're going to wake up and everything's going to be perfect. But you need to recognize that rationally, your body needs vegetables, carbohydrates, sorry, wrong, vegetables, protein, and water to function. Okay, the carbohydrates are extremely hard to come by in nature. Like I always use the cashew tree as an example. (laughs) Never see what a cashew looks like in nature. It's like a 30 minute project to get one cashew out. I don't know why you could just go buy like a, like a box of them. I like whole foods roasted and salted baby. Right. And this is why I'm saying like, if you focus on the protein and the vegetables and the carbs and the fats are kind of the icing on the cake, you're going to be doing a whole lot better than trying to be like, well, I get this amount of carbs a day. This is how many I get. You're setting yourself up for a vicious demonic cycle of food, emotional eating, right? Because at that point, like, you're going to take those calories that you have to spend and you're going to use them on the highly palatable stuff. And you're not going to focus on nutrient density. So, so just, so like you told my sister that you could put the protein and put the vegetables in and then you can have, and then you also can have your pastry, but make sure you're getting the protein and vegetables in. Start with that. Start. I actually feel like I've, I know it's, cringy to say i feel like i've been doing that yes but are you putting on your cake huh how much icing is on your cake i don't know well like so okay so this it's so frustrating for someone who loves like my my fiance loves deconstructed foods he's like i just want like this chicken breast and then this other like this potato and then this vegetable all separate and he likes it. And I hate that. I'm like, I want everything together in a bowl. And it feels like for, for lunch, I had uh, a chicken salad and I had some avocado on it. And I had like 
no, I don't even know because I just put everything together and I, you know, am cognizant of what I'm putting. I'm not just like, woo, dressing and everything, but I like it all together. And I feel like the only way for me to handle this, like I want to measure and I know we use the hand to measure, but it feels, it feels really overwhelming. Overwhelming. Ah, why? Because um, I feel like I can um, analyze the situation. I'm very, very analytical to the point of real destruction. Like I'll be sitting there really fucking hungry. I'm like, I need to eat. I'm like getting dizzy. And I'm like, no, oh my God, like calories and how many calories are in this and how many calories do you have today? And remember you had that one thing today and I go, what? And I'll just sit there and I just it makes me freak out because it gives me a sense of control, which I like, but then it's like so upsetting to the point where I feel like I can't just sit and enjoy my life. I can't do anything. Yeah. This is, this is why this is going to be tricky for you. Right. Because I feel like Mm. the food demons are so big and the emotional investment in every food decision is so big. How you unwire that without like just letting the demons loose kind of i mean is there a way to simplify this to just be all like i mean okay you already said it is obviously simplifying it to you know f- to just to just break it down as easy as that instead of counting calories you know have like x amount of protein like your your fat just think of your fat and your carbs as sprinkling on top. And I like that. I actually think that, or the frosting on the cake, you said, I really like that. I think that's really helpful. The cake is made up of the protein and the vegetables, and then you ice it. And I'm talking about like one of those minimalist thin icings. I'm not talking about one of those sh- like freaking mile high buttercreams, even though they're good. Even if you did a mile high buttercream, <laughs> spill the icing on the cake. And this is the point, because even now you're trying to demonize icing. On the well, it's so naughty and wrong. You're like, but icing's bad, so I'll just have a little bit. And then, well, yeah, because I'm thinking about my cake and I'm like, fuck cake without icing. It's no die. I don't care. I want icing. I didn't say don't put icing on the cake. I know. I know. Right. So, this is why you've got to find that balance of like, I'm going to get this protein and these vegetables in because this is what my body needs. And then whatever space is left over, I can eat the icing. But you're not going to just sit down to a bowl of icing. <laughs> oh, aren't I? Well, exactly. Only because you tell yourself icing is bad. If you said, I can have as much icing as I want for as long as I want, there'd come a point where you're like, I feel really gross. I'm done. And you walk <laughs> away. But because you won't allow yourself that, you're going to get stuck here. This is where you're going to kick your pendulum. So be careful. You you need some carbohydrates and some fat. You need to put icing on a cake or it's fucking boring. It's a muffin, I guess. It's a muffin. That's a good point. But Ooh, I do like muffins, though. It's fine. So have some muffins, but you can have cake, too. Like, you are, you are absolutely allowed to eat food. You're allowed to eat food. Losing weight does not mean not eating any food. It means balancing balancing the things that you're doing in your life balancing your movement with your energy intake with your sleep with your hydration yeah 
Okay. And that's what I want you to really focus on because again, like I said, anything outside of protein, vegetables, and icing, you're, you're rationalizing a food behavior. And even in just talking about this, you couldn't help it because you're so scared that you won't be able to control this. Yeah. Uh, seminar we went to all over again is more control the answer oh i think about that all the time i thought about that yesterday in great detail i'm like okay i the last two weeks i've really been trying to um i don't know healthfully or unhealthfully i've been really trying to be very aware of of um my calorie consumption my food consumption and I'm like, so your answer to your issues is just your, your control issues is more control. And like, is, has that really worked for you? How's that working for you? And I'm like, well, it did before. And also when I didn't control as much, it didn't work and I gained weight. So I don't even fucking know. And I was just walking through the woods, like, fuck this. And God damn it. And nothing's going to work. And then I started getting, cause I'm going to be turning 35. I started getting all these, these like memories I have of these messages I've heard through the media about like, well, once you turn 35 and like it, um, like you'll hear women, you know, I've heard, like I've seen in magazines, I've heard on the TV, like, Oh, well, you know, once I turn 30 or 35, it's like, no matter what I did, you know, I just couldn't lose weight. And so I get that in my head, like, oh, this must be it. This must be why I'm having trouble losing weight because, you know, and then I'm like, no, no. And the misinformation, it just, it's still there. Even if I'm like, no, this is not right. It's still fucking there. But this is what, this is why I'm saying like the only thing that you should focus on and, and blocking out the other noise is the critical aspect here. The noise of, well, I can only have a little bit of icing or I can blah, blah, blah. No. I can have protein, vegetables, and some icing on my cake. I can have that and argue with yourself and then shut down the other things coming in. I'm eating four times a day. If that's what you've been doing. I'm eating four times a day at each eating opportunity. This is what I'm doing. I'm not focused on what I'm not supposed to do. I'm not focused on what I'm not doing. I'm focused on what I am doing. What am I actively doing? And just keep bringing your focus back to that. Every time what I am doing, not what I'm not doing, what you're not doing or what you shouldn't be doing. What am I doing? I am eating protein and vegetables for this meal. And then I'm going to eat my carbs and my fats around that. I am doing that. I am not worried about what I should be eating or how much I should be eating. I'm paying attention to how full I feel. And I'm stopping when I feel 80% full. This is what I am. Write it down for fuck's sake. Write it on your fridge. These are the rules and put it in front of your face. So you have to look at it every time you have an eating opportunity because this is what you're reprogramming. You're reprogramming all of this moralization of food, all of this negative energy around food. At some point, you are going to have to face down some of these food demons, but maybe it's not now. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would be way too emotionally charged right now. Especially with planning a wedding. Please don't put these two things together. That's just... (gasps) Right. I'm I'm not there physically to like restrain you from doing this. So I have to count on your word. I'll do these two things at once, okay? 
planning a wedding is hard enough, no matter how big or small the wedding is, it's enough. So again, focus on what you are doing. Okay. Think about astronauts getting out of a fucking space shuttle into space. Think of all of the things that they know can go wrong. How many Mm -hmm. billions of things could just slightly go sideways and they would be dead like instantly, right? Because it is the most hostile environment we can possibly put ourselves in as human, human beings. What are they trained to do? They're trained to focus on the task that they are doing. They are trained to ruthlessly laser focus themselves on the process to execute. They have procedures they follow for every single thing and they are trained on it for years so that they can take the emotion out of the actions. Because when you put the emotions back in, you generate mistakes. And that's yeah, it's very Spock. I'm not saying that emotion is falling. (laughs) Do you say that's very Spock? But honestly, you know, I'm Spock was perfect. He was half human, half Vulcan. Perfect. I'm married to somebody who I think is actually Spock. So channeling his Spock has helped me a lot of times, you know, and it's because it is about, you know, he's an engineer and what his job requires is ruthless, ruthless rationale and logic mm. and anytime emotions get involved they make mistakes and you see it all the time and hear it you know like he's working from home i hear it even more often it's like you get somebody who's freaked out about something somebody else said or wants or whatever and it derails the project no focus on the tasks that you are supposed to do focus on the task you are supposed to execute that's how you move yourself forward don't focus on what you're not supposed to do ride a bike down a hill what do you not want to hit you don't want to hit the tree go fucking look at the tree if you look at the tree, you're going to hit it. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. I'm remembering this scene from something where it's like God, someone was learning to ride a bike and they just, there was like one thing, one thing, only one thing they could hit and they kept on hitting it. Because they kept looking at it. That's what, that's what you're doing. That's the greatest analogy, right? You're so focused on not, <gasps> not gaining weight. I'm not making bad food decisions. It's all you do. Yeah. Stop looking yeah. at the tree. Like so is it is it the same as that is that sinkhole analogy you have? Yeah, the the walking down the street and falling in the hole one. <laughs> I feel like I made it a sinkhole. I've been thinking about them lately and how scary they are. So look at it that way and kind of try to re redirection yourself not re- redirect that's the word good grief <laughs> redirection yourself i'm good i think i need to copy <laughs> so redirect your thoughts when you find yourself staring at the tree that you don't want to hit stop looking at the fucking tree don't i mean and i i say this like vehemently because this is what i like to do on a bicycle like <laughs> this has been my lifelong issue on a bicycle uh-huh. Like, I don't know why I still really struggle. I love mountain biking. I love downhill riding, but I have to really tell myself all the time. Don't look at the fucking tree. Like I literally, that goes through my head because I will look at exactly where I don't want to go. And then I'm there. And it's, Oh my God. That's what I've been doing for this last year. Like hardcore because why not? It's a quarantine. Right. And I'm just going to be like, don't gain weight. And what, what happened? What fucking happened? Right. Right. And so it's, again, focus on the actions you want to be executing. Look where you want to go, not where you don't want to go. So where you want to go is I create these meals regularly for myself that fuel and nourish my body. I don't worry about the tree. The tree can't, I, it's not going to jump out in the middle of the trail and hit you. 
you're only going to hit it if you go that way. Well, unless let's make some sort of Lord of the Rings reference. We already did with with Star Trek. We might as well. <laughs> this is, I think, this is the crux of the issue for you. And I, it seems like you agree. So, I mean, I'm saying that as if it's like a this is what it is, but it's up to you to decide if what if that's what yeah. It is funny because we've we've focused for the past I don't know, month or two on totally not specific to you stuff and I can feel like even though we're not directly talking about it I can feel your wheels turning around in the background counting calories and doing all this I knew and I was like oh man listen I really need to talk about Liz <laughs> funny so I'm glad we did this today and that this was what we came up with yeah and it's just there's like, nothing like a wedding or like a reunion or anything like that, or anything social. So, like, welcome everyone back out of quarantine to all your anxiety-provoking social engagements that will really make you freak out about your appearance. Well, and again, remember, like, you weren't the only one in quarantine. I wasn't. Everybody else is coming out having made sourdough bread the entire time being super buff. That's not what happened. Well, sourdough is fucking good. That used to be the major oh trigger food. Yeah. This is the path forward. I want you to almost draw a picture of like a tree and a road and you want to bicycle <laughs> you on the road and not looking at the tree because yeah. Dude. I love that. So focus on what you're doing. Focus on where you want to go. Don't focus go. not where you don't want to go. And it's so simple. And yet very fucking difficult. Cause if you focus. If it feel it feels so counterintuitive. So fuck it. It's like I don't want that bear to get me, so I'm gonna keep staring at that bear. Right. Keep your eye on the bear so it can eat you. Oh shit, he's looking at me. Quick. Oh keep- shit. I made eye contact. Stop looking at him. That's why he's looking at you. Like you're creating the <laughs> you're creating the situation, right? Right. So, oh, so funny. I think you're All right. right. It's not easy. It's simple but it's not easy and it requires constant refocusing. I mean, it took me years, years to train myself away from the fear of hitting the tree to not hit the tree. And I still, in a, in a situation where I feel like I'm pushing my technical limits on a mountain bike, like I still have to literally talk to myself and be like, just look at the path, pick your line, pick your line. Okay. There's your line. Don't look away from your line. Okay. Your shoulders are pointed towards your line. Your hips are pointed towards your line. Everything is fine. Don't look over the cliff. Don't look. Oh, fuck it looked okay oh god i wobbled a little bit oh look at the line and then i literally still have that conversation with myself when i feel technically challenged because i'm still mm. in that learning place that's where the learning is that's the discomfort we're talking about we're not talking about punishment discomfort it's not punishment if you are punishing yourself you are creating a lot of negative thought habits that are going to bite you and will create that backlash you're worried about so when we talk about sustainable change we're talking about programming positive action. Mm. program positive action don't dissuade negative behavior it's like the, the whole positive parenting movement it's like don't tell your kids they suck tell them it was a great effort and this is what you like them to do next time and you're like eh. but also yes <laughs> i was wondering where you were going with her i was like what and no yeah no yeah i'm and from california no yeah like, um good way to get them to do what you want Programming positive action, not dissuading. What did you say? Negative behavior, not punishing. Negative behavior. God, that does really. 
That does really help. I mean, for me, I know some people claim that they do really great from negative feedback. I don't. I'm like, if someone's like, you're doing these things right, you know, let's work on this stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, because otherwise I'm just like, I'm a fucking failure. Why even give a fuck? Well, I think this is the danger to it's not exclusively. I don't, and I think this is very unpopular what I'm about to say, but, you know, I'm the queen of unpopular opinions most of the time. But I, I think the the whole positivity movement is a pendulum swing away from the punitive nature humanity has exhibited over many, many millennia at this point. So yes, okay, we need more positivity. And there definitely are instances where some negative reinforcement is fucking really effective. Like the bear is chasing you. That's pretty fucking negative reinforcement. Run. It wants a hug. It doesn't want a hug, right? It's okay. I mean, if it, if it hugs you, it's the last hug you'll ever get. So it's like, there's a place for negative feedback, okay? Like not having any negative feedback or repercussions, I don't believe is healthy either. But we're yeah. in society right now where we've got plenty of negative feedback going on. Trying to generate more of a positive reinforcement situation is actually pretty important. But it doesn't mean that feeling bad about something you did is never a good idea. Like if you if you stab somebody and you don't feel bad about it because you're like, well, I was living my best life and I accidentally just wanted to kill that person. So I did. Oopsie. Like that's not what we're talking about with like there should be negative repercussions for that. And equally, you know, there are negative repercussions for eating unhealthily, but you don't have to inflict them upon another person. That actually just naturally happens, right? If you're consistently eating foods that degrade your health and you're consistently not using your human machine to move around and do good things for it, and that degrades your health, that's the consequence. You get yeah. poor, that's your consequence. It's baked in. So we don't need to do a lot of negative reinforcing. It's already there. Good point. Hopefully some of the stuff that we talked about has reframed some of the the way you're handling this challenge currently. I think so. I think it's going to need to sink in. It's going to be a lot of reminding myself to focus on where you want to go. Focus on where you want to go. Is that the mantra of my next, my week? Sure. I mean, we can go back to do the next right thing if you want. Yeah, I like that. And I've been focused, I've been using this other one. Tell me if you think this is good. I can't remember where I heard it, but how can you, how could, I think it was Mel Robbins. How can you keep moving forward? How can you move forward if you keep looking back in the same vein? Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's so, all right. And it's easy I think as a human being, you're kind of just wired to assess all of this stuff. And that's actually not always what's necessary. Sometimes it's just like, just do something, just do the thing. Don't think about it anymore. Like just do. So just, yeah, I think about whenever I've climbed, like I don't do mountain climbing, but I'll do like some perhaps little bouldering stuff like that, you know, yeah. and I kind of, I do have a fear of heights and I just think like last time when I was climbing something up something and it was kind of slick and rainy and I was like, I'm really scared. I'm going to fall and I'm all alone out here. And I just remember being like, just look at where you want to go. And it really was so helpful. Just be like, okay, I want to get up there. So I'm just going to like one foot after another, grab this, grab that. I mean, yeah. Nike coined this the slogan a long time ago, but just do it. I mean, it really is. Just do it. Is that hashtag Nike? Hashtag. But it's not. I mean, again, I'm not trying to over 
simplify it or over or make it be like, it's so easy to do it. It's, it's the doing it is the trick, right? But it's breaking it into the small enough action step by step. And you've done a lot of the work. You know what it is you should put on your plate. You know approximately how much should be there. And you know when you're not doing that. Yeah. I just really, I do not admire sociopaths most of the time. But I really, like, if I could take the emotion out of it, my life feels like it would just be, at least in some regards, some things would just be so much fucking easier. Yeah. But I don't want to be a sociopath. Well, but we can get to a place where you take the emotion out of it. That is possible. Like, I ate cake for breakfast today because that cake's in my fridge. And, I mean, only because we were talking about it has it even crossed my mind right now. I was like, because I had a piece of this cake yesterday. And I was like, this would be bomb with coffee. And I was like, oh, yeah. Coffee. And then I woke up this morning and I made my coffee. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's cake in there. And I got the cake out. And I had a small piece of cake. And I dunked it in my coffee. And you know what? It was bomb. And then I moved on and I had some chili for lunch and I went out and I shopped and I did my stuff. I didn't think about the cake. I don't give a fuck. Who cares if I eat cake for breakfast? Like uh, it's fine. I'm going to make tacos for dinner and I have a plan and I know where my next meals are coming from and the cakes in the noise. I'm not assessing that cake. I'm not going, okay, well you can't have another treat today because you had that cake this morning. And even though there's other candy and stuff in the pantry, like don't have any of that. Don't have it. Don't have it. Don't have it. Don't have it. You don't need it. Come on. You're just going to gain weight if you keep having it. Right. I didn't think about it until now. Cause I was actually looking at the clock and I was like, Oh, it's four. It's tea time. Maybe I'll have some cake. No, you're good. That was the next time I thought about cake. So if you find that's not the narrative in your head, you've still got some really big emotional charge with whatever you're eating. Yeah. That needs to be addressed or you will forever battle this, you know, because, and I'm not saying I don't have moments. Like I I ate like garbage all week because we were out and it was at a water park. How do you eat well at a water park? Like we packed our own dome. Because I was like, there's no way in hell I'm going to be out in the sun all day, kind of dehydrating myself and not have a decent lunch. So we pack and lunch. So we packed lunch and it was like three o'clock and it was like, oh, well, it's really hot as balls right now. So obviously ice cream. So we had some ice cream and then we came home and we made like salad and burgers for dinner. Was that the worst eating day in the world? No, it wasn't. Did I feel bad about it at the end? No. Have I had a decent dump? No. <laughs> I like that's how you're like, that's my punishment. That my is, that's a negative consequence of eating like a jackass for a couple of days. It's like, <laughs> so I'm going to actually now go focus on eating some more vegetables because I'd like to take a dump tomorrow morning. I'd like to get back on track. It's not about like, oh my God, I'm going to gain weight from that. It's like, oh, like I like to be able to have a regular poop because I'm officially a middle-aged person now and talking about poop is okay. So there I am, you know, like I, I can tell how happy my body is about what I've done based on my outcomes, quite literally. Uh, (laughs) So it's like, if, if that's, that's sort of my point of regulation. It's not my guilt. It's not shame. It's not um, my weight. It's I can take a decent dump and that makes me unhappy. It ruins my morning. <laughs> I love it. Get your priorities, people. 
but I'm pointing that out, not because again, because if you if you're unhappy with where you're at, this is another place to go. It's not the only yeah. place to go. Yeah. But you don't have to be there. It doesn't have to be how food works for you. It is changeable. Hmm. It is changeable. Yeah. Focus on where you want to go. Don't hit the tree. Don't hit the fucking tree, even though it's there. Yeah. And I'm going to bring up just on the last note, the excuse whack-a-mole, because that's the game you're going to play again. Because excuse whack-a-mole is another version of don't hit the tree. Right? Like those moles keep coming up. Oh, well, you deserve a, a treat. Whack. No, that's not appropriate. That's not how people manage food in a healthy way. <laughs> oh, well, you had a really good couple of days in a row. You should go have ice cream. Whack. No, that's not how healthy people manage food. <laughs> so if I wanted to have ice cream tonight, how do I manage that? How do you manage that? Like how much ice cream is a reasonable portion of ice cream? How much do you actually want when you sit down to eat it? Savor every bite, pay attention, decide when you're done. Don't make it about like, I can't have any more. I shouldn't be having this. If I eat all of this, I'm a big fat loser for eating ice cream. Have some fucking ice cream. It's fine. Move on. Eat the Move ice cream. Move on. Move on. Right. So I think that's, that's sort of the, I'm trying to give you some extra stuff to anchor to so that in these individual situations, when you catch yourself, rationalizing whatever the food choice is that you ate, whack that excuse in the head, whack that bad behavior in the head. That's not helping you. Stop rationalizing everything you eat. Focus on putting the good stuff on your plate and putting it in your mouth and not eating until you're stuffed. And then everything else is an, a mole you're whacking. <laughs> whack your moles. Whack your moles. I love it. I know when I edit this, episode I'm gonna get a lot out of like just rehearing it all because I can like there's so much good information here I'm like I'm glad I'm gonna rehear it too yeah it's a lot and you've got to pick and choose right and it's not going to go perfectly and you're gonna eat some ice cream and feel bad about yourself and then you're gonna have to have a little chat with yourself there's like a multitude of tools you have now that we've been working on for a long time to start to manage this okay Mm -hmm. but I I would say you know Five months is plenty of time to make a significant change, whatever it is, if that's what you really want to do right now. Yeah. So. Okay. Thank you. Problem. This is so good. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I hope you also got some interesting new tidbits out of this episode. And if you have any questions, please write in and we'd love to answer them on air because as much as we love talking about Liz and what Liz wants to work on. We also want to be helping all of you. So please let us know what your big questions are, or if there's a topic you'd like to hear us discuss, reach out with that too. Raisinfitforlife.com is a website. You can also find us on Facebook. You know, we will, we will read your messages eventually. Reach out. It won't be eventually. It'll be pretty quick. It'll happen. Yeah, it'll happen. All right. See you next time. Hey, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. And I hope that today's episode made you think a little bit about how you could apply some of what we're talking about to yourself and your behaviors and let us know if you find any of it meaningful. Make sure to tune in for the next episode where we will continue to have somewhat circular conversations that may be helpful. They will be. They will be helpful. (laughs) It's what you take away from them. Wow. The more you know.